Good evening. And welcome to the Enoch Pratt Free Library. My name is Vivian Fisher, and I manage the African American Department here at the Pratt Library. And on behalf of our CEO, Dr. Carla Hayden, our Board of Directors and Trustees, I welcome each and every one of you here this evening. It is my pleasure also to bring forth Caprice Jackson Garrett, who will introduce some of our speakers. But before you leave this evening, we have the Compass Newsletter, which is outside on the table. And please pick up one so that you would know what our other forthcoming events are. So without further ado, I welcome Caprice Jackson Garrett. Good evening, everyone. And if you find that you want to move and kind of come in closer so we can be more intimate for this intimate conversation that we're about to have, I think that would be wonderful. If not, stay just put and hang out and we're going to get it going. I have the pleasure of welcoming you all here tonight for this wonderful panel uh, discussion that I think for all of us here who have heart for Fela, who gravitated towards his movement, the social movement that he created, um, his flamboyance, whatever about Fela that drew you here this evening, uh, I'm glad it did. My name is Caprice Jackson Garrett, and I'm here on behalf of the Fela Baltimore production team and um, Bono Caprice, which is uh, a core component of that team. And uh, we are a marketing firm based here in Baltimore. On that note, I just want to say that uh, Anthony McCarthy, our facilitator for the evening, is a very, very, very special voice of Baltimore. You all are very familiar with him, I'm sure, from um, uh, his, his show on uh, WEAA, the Anthony McCarthy Show, on Fridays. And then also, he kind of hangs out with Mark Steiner and with us. He's everywhere, uh, always there, very eloquently steering uh, conversation, whether it's regarding political commentary or social issues of the day, critical or not. Uh, and I'm happy to bring Anthony to the stage, and then he will introduce the uh, facilitators. I mean, he is a facilitator. So he will introduce our panelists this evening, and we will get on with this very intimate dialogue that I'm looking forward to that I know will stimulate us all. By the way, pass the word. Good evening. Oh, we can do, I'm not going to let you get away with that. Good evening. Good evening. That's it. Welcome. This is a very exciting event for me. I was speaking with the lovely ladies from the uh, Bonneau um, Caprice Agency, and they were telling me about this production that was coming. I went online, and I was just familiar with the periphery of Fela's story. And I tell you, within days, I, I just fell in love. It was almost like I was hypnotized drawn in, not just by the music, but by the consciousness uh, that he represented. And so as they asked that I facilitate this event, I said, well, I want to make sure that it is an interactive event, a conversation, an intimate event. We have three dynamic panelists that are going to um, participate in a conversation, but you are here as participants as well. And so as we are going along, if you have a question, there's a microphone right here to the left. We want you to get up and go to the microphone and inject into the conversation. If you have a comment, 
you don't have to just have a question. You may have a comment or something to contribute to this dialogue, this conversation, this intimate experience. We want you to do that. Um, it's going to be a great night. We're supposed to go for about an hour and 45 minutes. If we do, wonderful. Maybe we'll go over. Maybe we won't go the whole way, but we're going to have an experience tonight. I do want to encourage you to listen to and support public radio um, at WEAA. It is a unique station for public radio, and it is a station that you can fall in love with very quickly and become a part of. And I am a huge fan of the Enoch Pratt Free Library System. We have the best library system in the country. It's something that we should be very, very proud of. Very, very proud of. I was reading about Fela today, and he was described as a social engineer, a leader, a musician, an activist, a teacher, and a father. It was said that to see a Fela performance was to experience life, death, joy, sorrow, rage, and peace. Afrobeat was described as his gift to Africa and his gift to the world. His music and his words were an exact critique of the way he saw the world and the way he believed the world could be. So our conversation tonight with these panelists and with you will be how all those things intersect. All of you were drawn here for a reason, so we ask that you share that reason. Maybe you have a story. Maybe you have a thought or an experience that you want to share about Fela. We want you to do that. Again, this is all about this experience and participating. And then we'll see you all again at the Murphy Fine Arts Center um, for this incredible performance. So let me introduce Navasha Dea, the singer, songwriter, and producer is no stranger to the ears of many around the world. She's internationally known as the lead singer and founding member of the Baltimore-based new jazz band Fertile Ground. <laughs> That's where you know her from. She shares her talent as a performing art curator, certified healer, a social spiritual activist. Navasha is currently performing spot dates to promote her debut solo album, and most recently, open for Fila's son in concert. Fanon Hill, I said I wasn't gonna mess it up, didn't I? Close enough. Mm. Fanon Hill, recently the co-director of the Black Male Identity Project, and I had the pleasure of participating in many of those great events. He is co-founder, executive director of the Youth Resiliency Institute, musician, cultural arts act advocate, and community organizer. Fanon is author of the essay in the indigenous loop, Fela Kuti. You are allowed to applaud these folks. We need our energy just to pick up a little bit. Chris Pumphrey, now he's the smallest bio here, musician and leader of the Baltimore Afrobeat Society. And for about nine years, they've been getting together. They have these wonderful events for about two days where they play this music. And they are, are you doing about 30 of his pieces now, 30 songs? Yeah, we've heard about 30 of them. So he's going to tell us more about that. We're going to start with the lovely, talented. I have to tell you a very quick story. I love to tell stories. For those of you who watch or listen to my show, I um, was doing some fundraising for HIV here in the city of Baltimore years and years and years ago. I heard this group called Fertile Ground. This is how naive I was. Didn't know that they were like internationally acclaimed, loved, sought after. I had the audacity to call them and say, could you come and play at this event? 
Well, of course they came and played at the event. Didn't know, bought CDs. I ran for office here in the city of Baltimore, and we needed a band to play at our victory party. We could have gotten any band. I said, let's get Fertile Ground. All my friends said, you can't get Fertile Ground. Hey, hey, I saw them in D.C. one time. I was like, Aren't they something? Well, we called them, and they showed up at the victory party. And we jammed, jammed, jammed. Would you welcome Navasha Dale? Greetings, everyone. How are you doing? Um, I'm very, very happy to be here. Um, as a musician and those of you who know my music, I'm, you know, I'm really big on messages in the music and bringing upliftment and healing. You know, we need that. And so I'm very excited to be associated with Fela in this, on this panel, in any way, because he's the bomb. And I was very excited even to meet his son, Sheung Kuti, um, or Anikalapu Kuti. And um, we, I interviewed him afterwards, and he really keeps the tradition. His son, Femi, the eldest son, Sheung is the baby son, Femi is taking it to another place. Sheung keeps the tradition. And it was very exciting, you know, his, his show, and we rocked that, you know, we rocked together. It was really exciting. Um, I really take art very seriously and the gift of having you know of, of being an artist very seriously and in regards to bringing some kind of healing or change or expressing yourself in some kind of positive way because we all know the negative we experience every day that's what we're gonna have to do here on this earth but to bring happiness and joy and fun is yeah. really exciting to me so as a performer as you know me on the stage dancing around and stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> i love having fun so i grew up listening to fela as a child and i'm very familiar well I'm familiar, I shouldn't say very, I'm not an expert, with his music. So I, some of them songs bring me so many memories from my childhood, so I'm very, very excited to be here, and I think that's five minutes, hopefully. Okay. That was good. Okay. Fanon Hill. Now, I'm very honored to be here. When you speak about heroes, she rose, you know, Fela is at the top of the list for me. Akujuba, Akujuba, Akujuba. Akujuba, Akujuba, that's Fela. The call and response, it's as if you're in Trinidad, it's as if you're in Nigeria, it's as if you're in Martinique with France Fainal, it's as if you're with Miriam McCabe. You know, Fela was just the essence of activism as well as the essence of indigenous consciousness. And you know, I look forward to sharing some narratives, some stories about some individuals, some Latino brothers who know Fela very oh. well, some uh, Pacific Islanders who I met who know Fela very well. Mm. So this is going to be a celebration, and you know, once again, I invite you all to share as well some of your narratives. We're gonna get it on tonight, and then we're gonna get it on at Morgan State University at the play. Yeah. And Chris Pumphrey. Hi, good evening. It's nice to be here. Um, I guess uh, about nine years ago, um, some friends, me and some friends started the Baltimore Afrobeat Society. Um, we loved Fela's music, um, and we'd always kind of talked about forming a band and, and just getting it together. We, um, we were fairly young at that point, but um, it was always kind of like just, we didn't, we talked about it, but we never did it. But one day we actually decided to do it. We had we had a show at the 13th floor coming up with another group of artists. So we decided to put like a 18, 19 piece band together. We just kind of drew from whoever we knew. Wow. Uh, we played three tunes. Um, I charted them out and rehearsed the band. Um, 
and it was pretty it was a pretty amazing experience I think that um, this was about nine nine years ago at this point um, so from that point um, we played we play about once a year um, because it's such a big undertaking and to be honest with you I really don't care to play uh, yeah at this point it was usually it's about 24 people um, and and I like I don't like to play much more than once a year with the group because um, it's just for the it's just for the enjoyment yeah. of it. Um, so we do it once a year. We play like two nights um, at the H and H building. Um, we usually play in the tradition of Fayla for like three and a half hours, nonstop, and just burn it all <laughs> night. Um, and at this point, I think that we've done over thirty tunes. Um, I've wow. charted thirty tunes for for the band. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty spiritual experience, I think, for everybody involved. Um, so the, music. the people in the audience probably know, but can I get you all to define Afrobeat for us? Yes. So that we're all together. I'm sure that there's different interpretations, there's different, uh, but if we're thinking of Fela, we kind of get a sense of what it is. But I'd like to know what you all, how you view it, how you see it, how you experience it. And we'll start with you, Chris. Um, well, I was reading the Wikipedia page today. And, <laughs> I was too. And they describe it as like a mix of funk, jazz, and Nigerian and Ghanaian high life, um, which I, I, I guess I guess it is. I mean, it's it is it's definitely a combination of a lot of things. Um, and I think the thing that makes Fela's music so it, it hits you so hard is because he his rhythm section just plays the same thing like for like 20 minutes. They don't stop. Playing like the guitars play the same riff for 20 minutes, mm. and 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 it's they he juxtaposes it in a way where it, it has a lot of movement, and it's kind of more uh, like five pieces playing something that one person could play, but it, you hear it coming and it interlocks what, as it what moves. Would you say it was like a precursor to like trance or something like that? Um, well, I would. Like real steady, mesmerizing. You know. Um, I mean, I think I think you could. It, it does well. The thing that I think about. Um, with Fela's music, like with the guitar, the guitars and the bass in Fela's music, like stay the same. They they don't deviate normally. There there might be like an A and A and a B section, or they they go to different parts, but they always they're playing fairly simple um, rhythmic melodies. Hmm. But I would describe that as like a pedal tone. I mean, it, it basically just establish, establishes something that everything else can bounce off of as as the music goes along. So, and, and I think a lot of music that we all enjoy and we gravitate to, number one, I think it like it's like a, the tempo is usually like around 90 beats a minute. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can go through like tunes you love, you know, and that hits you. And I would argue that it's probably because your heartbeat is usually around that speed. Um, and uh, what else was I saying? Um, so a pedal tone, um, it's something nice that we, when we listen to music, um, it gives us a platform to listen from. So like when you're, when you're hearing a piece of music, it's, it's just, it's a platform that everything else can kind of relate and bounce against. Like I can play a B flat on the piano, and as I play different chords, the sense and, and what you hear the B flat doing changes, even though mm. I'm playing the same note. Mm -hmm. What I'm playing around it, if I play, um, this a, a, like a D minor seven chord on B flat, it, it'll sound different as opposed to a C minor seven. But it, it will. Can we share some of that, can, sir? 
That's okay, but we want everybody to hear. So that if you have a question, just raise your hand. I promise you, I will recognize you so that we can move along and have a little. Um, so, yeah, we can no, so that we can hear each other and appreciate. I, can we pass around some? Oh, of you? Sure. No, you can't Here, keep this. Here's some. These are these are horn charts um, for his music, I guess. But I guess the question was, um, I, uh, what what is his music comprised? Yeah, what, what and, and when Fanon, when you heard the music, when you experienced the music, what <coughs> did Afrobeat mean to you? How did that come to express itself to you? You know, it it brought me back home. Mm -hmm. You know, when I when I first heard Afrobeat, I was exposed to it uh, by an amazing disc jockey college radio in East in Cleveland, Ohio. An amazing poet, Matabu Akanta. I love that name, Matabu Akanta. Like and I'm growing up and saying, who is this brother Matabu Akanta with a like bad name it. like that? It's a beautiful name. <laughs> but he used to play Fela. And it was amazing because many of Fela's songs are very long. So he would go in to the studio and maybe play three Fela songs and say, that's it, y'all. See you next time. <laughs> but what was amazing was I was I was satisfied. My spirit was nurtured. Amazing. You know, Afrobeat for me is is is, is a music. It's 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 soft. It's hard. Mm. Its edges are sometimes razor sharp, with sweat boiling furiously. And when you're exposed to that music, that sweat's gonna get on you, mm. and it's gonna call you out. You know, what are you doing for your community? Who are your heroes? Who are your sheroes? Wow. What are you doing to bring about social change as an artist, you know, as a seventh grade in East Cleveland, Ohio? So Afrobeat for me, it was it was it, it really, uh, you know, was the manifestation of home. And it introduced me to Africa and Africans, you know, because one thing about Fela, which I love, which I learned was before he saw himself as a Nigerian, he saw himself first and foremost as an African. And you know, and that 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 left a tremendous mark on me and my consciousness and my work, and it still does today. So that's Afrobeat for me. Navasha, anybody in the audience want to share? This this lady and I used to work together many years ago. She's so gorgeous. I was so excited to see her tonight. Joyce, <laughs> she's like you're embarrassing me. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was I don't see the gentleman. This gentleman bought the music for us, and they were playing it as we came in and were getting ready for the program. I think they may even still have it. Oh, they gave it back to you. Okay. Charles Robinson, one of the greatest journalists in this country, in the audience. Um, I don't know if most people know this, but Fela has played in And, and, you know, that's at the height of this girl. And literally, last night, last song, and I put it on. And four people come up to me and said, You cannot play that record. In my country, you cannot play this song. Wow. It was, it was upside down. Where were you at, though? I was in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, okay. And trust me, this, that's the capital of the South. That's right. But what was very interesting to me, I then received a second record, and it was Zombie. Mm. Initially, for those of you who don't know, uh, Bella had a nightclub 
in Nigeria, and I believe mm-hmm. the play kind of focuses on mm-hmm. the nightclub. I haven't, I've sent so many people to see this play, but I haven't seen it. Wow. <laughs> so I'm just excited to, to, to get a chance to see it. But one of the questions that I, that I think, you know, in trying to describe it, it's, it's, it's multiple kind of layers of rhythm where the rhythm does change, it doesn't stay consistent. Mm-hmm. For those of us here in the United States, Think of a James Brown concert that goes along forever. And of course, there's just this this exchange back and forth between the artist <coughs> and the musician. Call and response. Yeah, the call and response. But it's it is very rhythmic, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he came here to Baltimore, not only did he have his I think it was 19 piece band, but he also had about 20 dancers. Mm-hmm. What was very fascinating to me was is that. The dancers, of course, don't get out of very often, so they walked into the crowd. So I asked one of them, excuse me, are you one of the dancers in the, in the group? She's like, yes. She says, I'm also one of his 12 wives. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand yeah. that all that, all that is kind of shaping where Fela is going. Uh, there is a great piece of YouTube video that shows him in the nightclub. If, if you haven't seen it, take a chance to look at it. I don't want to take anything away from the actors, but it is. Mm. It's heart-pumping. It is, I mean, like for 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 those of us who've never experienced anything quite like this, it is the equivalent of being. Uh, any of you remember Herbie Hancock's Headhunters? Oh, oh yeah. Twelve <laughs> minutes. You tell me, is that monotonous? That's not monotonous. It's just layer upon layer mm-hmm. of music going on top of jam session. Yes, basically, it is a jam session. And of course, each each player may take a moment to play a particular solo, but it does always come back to that. Uh, one of the kind of, kind of the strange but not true myths. Uh, I had a friend of mine tell me many many years ago. He says, you know, when Bob Marley went to play at uh, Zimbabwe's uh, 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 celebration when they accelerated, someone said, "Well, Bob told the man, forget y'all, I'm going up to Nigeria to go." <laughs> but it is it is that kind of, if you will, uh simple part of those, mm-hmm. if you will, that links people like Taylor, Bob Marley, the Herbie King Cox and Chickaries and all of them in this global kind of music mm-hmm. collective. You know, it's interesting, and Navasha is going to share some with us. And I love, if you're in the audience and you want, like I said, it's probably better if we just raise our hand and then we can just engage each other. Today I was playing, I went to YouTube, I was at work at City Hall, at City Hall and I, I just wanted to hear some of the music. So I started playing one of the, the songs and I was watching the performance and people kept coming in the office so I'd have to mute it or put it on, um, I'd have to stop it. Pause it. Well, I kept coming back, and the song was, it just went on and on. But the amazing thing was the person who I share an office with heard it, and he goes, you like Fela? Are you into this? And then Councilman Stokes, who's one of my bosses, came by the office. He goes, he's like, Fela? He said, what do you know about Fela? And it was like around our office, this spirit was drawing people by, and then they stopped. And I mean, and so I was amazed, but I also was amazed that the song went on and on. I think I only played one song, but it went on um, for a very long time. But what a powerful energy um, from this movement, from this man, Avasha. Uh, I want to speak about spirit. So you said spirit. So for me, Afrobeat 
anytime you originate or create something, it's built upon other things like the funk and stuff. He was definitely influenced by African American music, jazz, you know, African American music and funk. And um, and then High Life, which was basically from Ghana, and he built it in. And so then you had these chants that go on. So he because of his nature and his personality, anything you give birth to is definitely from your consciousness or your personality. It had spiritual and activism energy in it. So his purpose was to invoke something in you. Thus his um, club called The Shrine. A shrine is a place where you celebrate spirit or you invoke spirit, you make it possess, those kind of things, indigenously. And so his purpose, in my opinion, was to invoke something out of the people, to celebrate and to heal and, and bring awareness to certain things. So the subject matter he sung about, the way he would stop everybody, which I love because you know, as a now as a solo <laughs> artist, I get to do that more. It's so exciting. Um, but he stopped everything. He was very sensitive to the energy. So imitating mm. him is not easy, as you probably know. But it was he was channeling spirit. And so if you ever watched him when he's putting the, the, those things mean something. He didn't even do things unless he got his diviner, either Babalawo or something, to actually get a reading before he was going to do anything. He was actually going to get signed to Motown in 93, and he said no, 97, because he had to go to a diviner. And of course, they let go of the African part of that record company by that time, and so he never got the deal, and then he passed, you know. But he did everything through spirit. Mm. And so that, as an artist, that do, that I do the same thing, by the way. Um, it's important, and so that's what you're feeling. You're feeling his energy. You're feeling his spirit, his in, being in tune with the creator, creatress, the spirits that walk among us. He was very in tune with that. So to act like that's separate from his music and that he was just academic, which he was very well learned, is not real. He actually was very spiritual and learned together. And so that's what I feel Afrobeat is. It makes you dance, it's celebration, a ceremony. Yes. Ma'am. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I was in Nigeria last year. And uh, it was uh, hard to get there because I made a group from this country to go over there. I was determined to go there because my DNA was from another country living there. Pastor of a church, and we had African drums in our church. 
And my, my staff and the members of the church said they always knew when the spirit was present in me because I had rhythm. It, <laughs> if the spirit wasn't there, there was no rhythm. But we had incredible drums that really brought a lot of energy into the room. Anybody else want to share? I thought the sister here had, did you have your hand up? At, yeah. Go ahead. I, I have seen this commercial. I have met this brother on the bus a couple of times. Talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen this a couple of times, yes. I was wondering, could you hear, I never heard it. Okay. And when it came in, the music had stopped. So I was wondering, could you hear it? Can I hear Vivian, it? is that possible? Yes. Yes. They're going to hook us up. What a great idea. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> well, they're going to get us. They're going to get the music back on, and we'll take some time to listen. Mother? I was blessed to say live at the 930 Club in Washington, D.C. Yes. In the 90s. It was one of the most awesome shows. I mean, it had to be at least 35 minutes. Wow. I mean, at the 930 Club? Wow. <laughs> it was beautiful. The costume alone, just the traditional costumes alone. Mm-hmm. They're getting the music keyed up for us. We're going to listen. Are we ready? Let's listen to some music, and then we'll let you be next, and then we'll get back to our panel. <laughs> Thank you. 
play some more. I hate to even ask him to stay up in that little box, but I'm sure <laughs> we're going to play some more um, here in a moment. Um, let's continue with our conversation. The, one of the things I, and then, oh, who was? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. I was listening to the, the Caribbean connection on um, on Logan State, and Howard Ringo was on there, and he was talking about um, his latest movie. Howard Ringo is a guy that did same poster. He's talking about his latest movie, Taser, and he's from he's an Ethiopian um, scholar and um, teacher. Um, he's film. and what he was talking about is how when African intellectuals and elites go to Europe and the United States, they are they get highly educated, but they get highly educated in a Eurocentric way. And so when they go back home, the policies and the intellectual thought is geared towards um, American white supremacy and also structural policies that they are unconscious of because of the colonial um, heritage that they have. So they embrace those um, those ideas, when they go back to Africa or the continents that they go to, they forget their own dynamic structure and cultural analysis and how things fit in. I'm saying that to say that Fela Kute was one of the one of those elite people. He came from a very elite family. He That's true. He came from an elite family, and he was he came to this country to be educated in that same way. His father wanted him to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, and he discovered jazz, and he discovered, and so he was educated to be one of those Eurocentric people who went back to Africa and dealt with that. But in the course of his development as an artist, <coughs> he understood, even though when he went back to Nigeria, he understood, even though he was battling black people who were in power, he understood that he was battling a neo-colonial environment. And he became, and I'm saying that to say that Fela, in his education to be what um, Howard Rima said, he was an exception. <laughs> he said that we have a great history, we also have structural uh, dynamics today, and our music, our music <coughs> and culture, we, have, we can define it on our own terms. And that's what made him unique, and that's what that, so, I'm making a point that there's a, an ideological, philosophical point of view to his music that's very rare 
um, not just in, in Afrobeat, but very rare in the whole development of any kind of um, aesthetic within music. It was very conscious what he did, and it became very organic and, and innate. And I think that's part of the soul that we feel when we hear it. It's more than just just um, impulse. It's a, it's a it's an intellectual, structural, cultural dynamic that's thought out. And it, and it becomes, became very organic through all of that um, hmm. fusion. Thank you for sharing that. What's your thoughts on that? Anybody want to respond? Yeah, and that's, you know, it's interesting that the, the gentleman who just made that comment, for those of you who don't know, that's Mitchell Ferguson, an amazing artist. And, you know, you can really judge the state of, of, of any ecosystem by the level of consciousness within consciousness of artists within that ecosystem. And Fela, I mean, he was a revolutionary to Mitchell's point. And for me, you know, as someone who loves Fela and, and has studied him, you know, what's interesting is in 1967, he went to Ghana. And he went to Ghana before he went to America. And once he was in America, um, you know, he was exposed to the uh, ideology, you know, about the black, from the Black Panthers and learned about Malcolm X and nationalism, but prior to coming to America, he went to Ghana, and if anyone knows anything about Ghana, then you know, or should know, or we should all know about Kwame Nkrumah, mm. okay? And I just want to read something that Mitchell's statement kind of uh, triggered in my mind that is, is really important in, in terms of understanding Fela. And there's a tremendous book, it's called The Regime Change of Kwame Nkrumah by Ahmad Rahman, and he speaks about Kwame Nkrumah coining the term African personality. Africans governed by, governed by their own tradition and not imitating European ones. He went on to say that Nkrumah fabricated a cultural and political approach and tapped into the hidden Africanity that flowed out of their history. So prior to coming to America, Fela, you know, he was seeped. He went into an initiation, and these, this, this is just my opinion, in Ghana, and I speak to a lot of uh, the people from the African diaspora who go to Ghana, and, and there's a vibration in Ghana. And I think Fela really drawed from that vibration. So here we are in Baltimore City today, and it's, it's very relevant and important that Fela, the production is going to be here. When I think about the fact that so many young people, even in Baltimore, have never heard of uh, Raymond Haysbury. Yeah. Okay. I think about Angelo Dangerfield, a young man in Cherry Hill who was gunned down and, and, and had developed a sense of consciousness, but was murdered two weeks before I even got to meet him. You know, I think about all of the artists in Baltimore, Ernest Shaw, who really don't get the props that they deserve because of the African personality that they express. So Fela is in Baltimore right on time because we need his audacity, we need his courage, so we can begin to recognize the artists in Baltimore who are moving forward, you know, that whole notion of change through their artistry. Mm. Very good. Thank you. Yes, sir. I think when we talk about, um, what y'all spoke about African, and, uh, what was African what? African, African, yeah. I think it's really described as African jazz. You see what I'm saying? In other words, it's really, that's what it's the expression. Me being a musician myself, I consider it juju. Mm -hmm. Y'all know about juju? Yes. Just talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, I'm going to come to you next, I promise. Go ahead, sir. Ma'am. Uh, the first time I heard uh, Fela, I 
like, at the University of Pittsburgh, and I was like partying really hard. Like next to my last year, and uh, I was actually after two parties, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we finished up the beer like Monday morning. Okay. You know? But uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I got caught. Somebody gave me a copy of Fela, and I would listen to it. And I said, "Oh my God!" I said, "I can't let anybody hear this because." Fayla was a traditional man, mm-hmm. you know, and, and saying that when you when you hear about um, when he sings about um, the um, uh, when he says that African lady, she said I don't know she said that when he says African you call her African woman, she says no I be lady of. Oh, and, I be. Um, when he says that she danced the fire dance, that's more or less a. I was thinking that was more or less a traditional dance that the man would do. So she's taking on that version. And then he was, uh, I remember some of the other things and when he was saying that, uh, and this is in line with what he was saying, that, that he, was, he was really political and a lot of the Africans that I knew, they were saying, well, you know, he's really putting himself out there because you, I mean, he could have literally been killed for, well, for political mm-hmm. ideas. And um, people are, you know, they do, they do lose their lives. So he he kind of followed the, the tradition because I went to I visit I was invited to come to Africa and I visited Africa and I went into um, I went actually I went through, I wasn't thinking about what I was doing I kind of like somebody said let's do it and I said okay you know I'm like one of the closest people and not really thinking it through but I you know I, I just kind of got out and I was like in the like in the bush and I said well I'm really in Africa and I can't walk home. But um, they and I, when I was there, the different places that I went, they did, they did, there were folk sing, singers, and they. And remember how we had the, we learned how Africa, in Africa, they passed down the tribe tradition through song and through Creole, um, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, stories. So I remember when I was there, I went to a, a memorial. And there was a folk singer there, similar to uh, Fela, and he would—he was singing about it was a, a person's, it was a memorial of a person's death. I think it was about the second or fourth memorial, and they have a <coughs> memorial ceremony when somebody dies, and all the family and friends and villagers come in, and he sings about his life. And this is in the same tradition that Fela was was giving us political story of how Africa was changing and how the African man and African woman had taken on these values and how he said that uh, that he puts on his suit he doesn't he doesn't wear his I forget what you call it but he doesn't wear his, his outfit he puts on his suit and he feels that now he's a man and he's forgotten his African heritage and he's forgotten the traditional his traditional ways, and that's, like, that's an issue with a lot of Africans. That's an issue when they come into this country. And the, and the um, I think all of us, I, myself, I experienced a culture shock, and they would experience a culture shock dealing with us because our views are so much different. You know, we see things differently as they see things. So, I think that Baylor was was kind of documenting mm-hmm. in the African traditional traditional way the change 
that um, the new African man is, and the uh, things that he had to, uh, that he had to, the persona he had to take on in, in dealing with uh, uh, us. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask one more question. We're going to play some music, and then we're going to just turn it over to the audience again, and we'll just run through a whole series of comments or questions or thoughts. It's your night. Can I talk about something yes. real quick? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, it's interesting. I've been to Lagos, Nigeria, and when I went there, it's a lot of action. It's probably, well, Japan is a lot of action too, but being in Nigeria with the dirt roads and things like that. When I was there, it reminded me of Baltimore, and I saw wow. so many people who, I had the mannerisms and everything. So Africa has never really left us. Um, there is a certain level of connectedness, but there's a certain level of desire to be European mm-hmm. um, that we experience too as African Americans or captives. So it seems like, it's, to me, it seems like um, when Isabel, I mean, her first name is Sandra is, um, Isabella, when she brought him back to his heritage and when she, he was visiting New York, um, it's kind of like as an artist myself, when I work with African musicians, it's a similar thing because... As an African American mixed with, you know, Native American, I know some of my African tribes, and then honorable European that were not slave masters. It's, I honor all my ancestors, but it's I remember where I'm from, and I was raised Afrocentric, and so um, it's kind of like he was speaking about the same issue we have as as African Americans here, forgetting who we are and feeling separated from um, our culture. And it's interesting because when you go there, you you know, you know can take some jeans, you can take some t-shirts and exchange and stuff like that because it's not as easy to get those things there in Nigeria specifically. Um, but there is a, um, a connection that we have with Africans as African Americans where we help each other. And I really, one of my desires is bridging that gap as an artist. Uh, when I perform, you know, work with African musicians, it's showing the commonalities. We're from the same place. I mean, it's like to separate it is kind of crazy to me because what he was doing was what I try to do in addition to um, other artists where you don't remember, you remember where you come from. You don't forget. It's like not acknowledging your mother. And so I really, what he was doing was kind of going against the system because when you take people away from their culture and their roots, you can kind of, if you take someone away from their mother, you can make them do anything. But if they're close to their mom, their mom is going to keep them protected and safe. So that's kind of my little take on what you were saying. Wow. Let me ask you, Chris, and then we're going to listen to some music. Um, Fanon, if you want to jump in, I want you to. We've heard a lot of the people in the audience talk about that connection um, to struggle, to oppression, to uh, freedom. I look at you, and I have to, you know, and you are a leader in the Baltimore Afrobeat Society. So, and I find connection with everyone. And so I just want you to share that connection that you have, the stories and the the voice that Fela gave to what was going on around him, the way he wanted the world to be, how he knew we could be so much better. Um, what connects you to this music, this person, this spirit? When I call on you, you'll get to say something. That's a, okay? That's a good but you've question. said a lot already. It's a good question. Go ahead. A, I guess it's it's a tough one for me because um, the answer is kind of simple. I mean, <laughs> um, I the first time I heard Fela's music, I think the first tune I heard was Zombie, which is one of his most popular ones. A lot of people know that tune. Zombie, oh zombie, zombie, oh zombie. Um, it's like a lot of call and response. Um, but um, <clears throat> so the first time I heard that tune, I mean, it gripped me right away. Um, and I'm like, I'm a 
I mostly listen to music. I love I love words, but I'm not like a wordsmith. Usually, what draws me in, even and I love listening to hip hop, but um, I listen to hip hop all the time. But I'm mostly listening to the beats and not the, like the words, you know. And then I, and I do pay attention to the words, but what draws me in is the music and and what's happening inside of the music, and and that's just kind of where my ear goes in the, initially. Um, so for for me, I mean. It, it touched me. It, it grabbed me. I love it. I love mm -hmm. his music. Um, I listened. I we do the the Afrobeat Society like once a year, and it's about two months of intensive. Like we try. I try to do new tunes every time we do it, just because it's a challenge, and I like to do new material because I think it gives life to the band. Um, but it's like a total immersion in failure for like two months straight because I'm listening to it right. You know, writing the parts out, thinking about how to rehearse the band, rehearsing the band. Um, and the band is like is kind of like Fela's band, where it's a group of musicians that come from all different walks of life and all different levels of talent, um, which does. And I've had arguments of people asking, say, "Hey, why don't you get like you know pro musicians to play this?" And like that's not what it's about. It's about like it's about come and play and and bring your spirit <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. You know? um, so I guess what drew me in is just was the music. Um, and and the the rhythms and the notes themselves and the first time we played we did like three tunes and it was like difficult because I don't know if like when you study something uh, the more you get into it the more you learn so it was it I didn't really start getting how he directed like a song until like maybe year two or three because um, you really start to understand prior to that it was like we were pulling it off we were pulling it together and it was there but you're kind of holding on for dear life because there's so many like things that happen and, and a lot of cues um, when Fela if you see any videos of Fela he cues a lot with his body um, and he, he's um, he cues the drummer a lot and the drummer establishes a lot of what's happening the the actual kit drummer he has a lot of percussion guys but the kit drummer himself like if you start to listen, you hear him. He'll always hit like the snare on one to kind of end the statement. Um, Fail will cue him. Um, so, uh, where am I going with it? I'm talking about why. I'm talking. I'm I could talk about it for a long time. So, so I guess it, it took me like once you start to feel it, you start to understand how. Mm. Um, so I guess the initial question was why did I, I? I got into it because I loved it and I wanted to do it and I wanted to do it right. Um, when I when I write his tunes out, I, I make a lot of his. I was telling these guys before the show, a lot of his recordings are um, they're not great recordings and the, the horns are out of tune. But I, I try to just painstakingly take as much time as I can to to make sure I'm writing every note right. Um, the way that I direct a band is not necessarily like Fela would do it, um, but I'm I have no desire to repeat what he did. Hmm. Um, but I think his music, his music, like once you start playing it, it just immediately has life. Um, and and we've played. I'm sure you've played a lot of music. And you play a lot of different kinds of music. Um, and Fela um, is one of those artists that no matter where you are, no matter what you do, once you hit that first note. Like the audience just just like they're they're yours, you know they're they're all there, um, 
Well, I'm sure you pay great tribute. I'm looking forward to coming the next time you all um, get together. We'll all be there. Let's play some music again, and then we'll start with some questions, okay? And then we'll just run all the way through all the questions. I see lots of hands. So brother in the booth. to all black people all over the world. The secret of life is to have no fear. We all have to understand that.
Oh, you don't even Real have quick. to ask. I'm just checking. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. Like, he was definitely influenced by James Brown and our music here in jazz and stuff. Mm. And as a musician, it's like, doom, doom, doom. I mean, I can't, I forgot it now. But there was a, um, a double drum, a double kick that made it Afrobeat. But if you took that out, it would sound just like James Brown. Mm. And you could hear hit man, you could hear that in there. Then also <laughs> pay attention to the call and response between the horns. You know, like that. So it was not just the vocal call and response, it was the horn too. And then mm. he did layer upon layer, the beginning sound like hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So of course he was, you know, his influences, but it was just I just had to say that. It was just so funky. I mean, just so <laughs> funky. I mean, I can't help it. I'm just, I call it slave to the rhythm, but yeah. What piece were we just listening to? Oh, that's all right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard for me to say jazz because as a music teacher person and the categorizing styles, it has too much funk in it to be just jazz. Because then you're gonna you got to say fusion in some ways because fusion was a mixture of different styles, so it's not really fair in the tradition of the purest jazz purest to say jazz because there is an African jazz, there is a style that sounds like African jazz. So as a, mm. I can tell by music by what my body does, and that's some funk. That's you know I don't do this on regular. I might do like this, like that, or another movement. But when it's funk, do I'm that again when it, when it's funk. What is it? When it's funk, I'm like. That's what happens. So that's just me. I mean, I'm not the authority. Sir in the gray? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I wanted to say that uh, I'm, I'm listening to everybody, and it's, it's, uh, it's weird how everything is building towards you know this discussion of explaining what, what failure is. And I had a discussion a little while ago. We were trying to discuss you know what was cool. <laughs> and we were trying to define what cool was. And my response was that the cool was defined irrelevant. No longer cool. You can't define cool. <laughs> the same way with, with Fela, we're talking about, mm. as Nabashi was saying, you're talking about, you know, the connection with James Brown. And from what I remember, he did spend some time with James, and uh-huh. James was teaching him about the one. Uh-huh. And the one. And when you think about that, and you think about what Fela was doing, for me, you can't really define his music. It serves as a bridge. Uh-huh. That's all it is. It's a bridge to the other side. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And either that it's consciousness <laughs> or for the people over here, connections back home. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is because when you think about what was happening at that time, you know, the spirit always sends people to bring people back. At that time, you had colonialism and you had Africans becoming Europeans. And so, Fela's music, there's nothing more political than music. And so, because the music, that what it reminded the people of is that there exists an intelligence beyond what you learn in school. Mm. Beyond what the European was giving you, there is an innate intelligence that only this music can take you to. You can't get this degree by going to school. <laughs> you know? And you can't define it. The only way, like the Bible said, the only way you can define it by it is how you respond to it. How does the body respond to it? What do you do? Mm. You know, and so that's how you determine what it is because the whole point of being able to connect to our higher self is the ability to lose your identity. And that music is what is the bridge that takes you over there to get there. Wow. 
sister beside him. I'm just calling on some people who haven't spoken. We'll get. We'll come back to you. So I was introduced to Fela about ten years ago, and I don't know if it was the birth of Fela. I mean, how it came about that I'm different translations to me, but it was birth in a relationship. Every time I hear Fela, I like, I, I fall in love and I get like captivated <laughs> 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 He's feeling it too. <laughs> wow. Wow. Because there was a um, 
prevailing prejudice that he had. And it was a point of view that he had, and he didn't really think that he had to do some research. And that was a kind of arrogance that he had in the way we responded to him. And I'm, not, I'm saying that to say, when you asked him a question, I felt you were asking him a deeper question. And it's not a reflection on him in any negative way. I felt you were asking him a deeper question and related to how we were all talking about that thing that we African people know about. And from his perspective, from his point of view, his vantage point, he couldn't answer that question from my perspective. Mm -hmm. He could only identify with the beat, the rhythm, and all of these things. And it's not to say anything negative about him. Just to say that white privilege, or whatever happens, what we call it, makes you distant from that culture dynamic, that that um, that deeper that deeper um, understanding that we have. And because of that, we as people, we cannot allow Europeans control our historical um, dynamics. We can't control, allow them to have control of our intellectual property. We can't allow them to take, we must take vested interest in controlling this legacy we have. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't play the music, but I felt there was a deeper question. And because of my response to it, I, I was talking to her and I felt that I shouldn't say, say this because I would sound mean. But I really think this is really important that we understand this, <coughs> that this is, this is a cultural, historical thing because white privilege make them incapable on certain levels to understand what we innately know. Mm. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Sir. Did y'all want to respond, by the way? Yeah. I definitely want to respond. One thing that's interesting about spiritual grandfather Fela, that's how, that's how I, I bring his essence mm -hmm. into any situation, any room, is that his understanding of indigenous consciousness is forcing, right now as we speak, you know, cross-cultural, cross-generational conversation, and cross-gendered conversation. Fela wasn't a perfect example of a man. He was an excellent example, though. Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> but I just want to say that one thing that Chris did say that really uh, impacted me at, prior to the panel discussion was as I was introducing myself and sharing with him that I, I work with young people, I'm a youth development practitioners, and right now in the state of Baltimore, I'm in fear because summer's upon us and I don't know how many young people we're going to lose. I've lost a lot. There's almost no recreational opportunities for young people. What if my mentees is locked up right now because his probation officer didn't turn in paperwork she was supposed to turn in? So I'm always recruiting, Navasha as well. Individuals whom I know can work with young people in Baltimore and connect them with traditions, with icons, with symbolisms, with music notation. So I spoke to Chris and I spoke to him about what we were doing and he said, well, when do you want me to show up to work with your youth? <laughs> I think about comrade hip hop artists who can barely get any play. Brother Anthony McCarthy had him on the show the other day. Uh, last year you had him on your show debating the N-word. I think about precise science and the fact that there are these hip hop artists who do not get airplay, who need to be connected to young people in Baltimore, but because of their message like Fela, Individuals attempt to shackle them. So I think it's important that as we talk about Fela, we recognize once again, not to sound redundant, that he is forcing intercultural 
intergenerational and cross-gender conversation. And everybody has a role within this conversation. Ginger Baker was white. He was one of Fela's best friends and produced a lot of Fela's music. So I think we have to be careful sometimes uh, uh, when we speak about who we are and what we need. We need to leave a little space for that initiation to take place so we can learn who we truly are and allow each other the room to grow together and individually. Mitchell, no, Mitchell, Mitchell. I wasn't talking about white individuals. I was talking about white institutions. Okay. The Eurocentric institution, institutions, not as individuals. I'm, I, I know Definitely. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I heard you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell. Sir, in the front, and then Joyce. Yes. Thank you. Uh, We can't all yell at once. What'd you say, sis? Could you say it for us? Black gold. Mm. Who did you say, brother? Yeah, <laughs> 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 
He is not on payroll, by the way. This is how God designed it. It's like amongst us. Mm. But may I just say this? Can I of course. give a sample of some of Thalas' language? Because I speak Yoruba. Okay. Anybody else in here speak Yoruba? Me too. Well, I would just think it would be entertaining if y'all could hear some of his language, right? Here goes some of the um, examples, some of the samples. I'm going to first mention God. Mojuba, that means respect. Mojuba, Oluwa, I said respect to God. Noruko Jesu Oluwa Ami 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 in the name of Jesus God. Amen. 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 Bawemi, how y'all doing? Dada me, I'm doing fine. Um, Epi me, my family. Kilo Kilo Shele, what's happening? Fumi Lobo, give me money. Nikale, good evening. Olule, Olewa. You are beautiful. He has shown the example to wow. our people. And have message music. You should check some of her material. Almost done. Uh, <laughs> All right. Solo album coming soon. Make sure. Okay. This brother made us listen to Daylight back in the 70s and 80s. So we're gonna go to Joel. We're gonna go to Joyce. Then, then this brother is gonna have a very quick question, and then we're gonna go to Priest, and then we're gonna jump Mama, and then the beautiful girl in the pink there. Is that pink? Orange. <laughs> beautiful. I got that right. <laughs> Joyce. He wants those back, by the way. Yeah, oh, you got them back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just listening to the recordings. I don't think I don't think he. I'm not sure if he had written compositions. I, I think that he showed a lot by just. Uh, by, but I'm yeah. But I'm I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Fanon or yeah, he was classically trained. He went yeah. to a school in England, Trinity College, mm -hmm. and and you know, so he he studied music. He was able to write music, read music. When Sheung came to Baltimore, we were able to talk to him backstage, and we were speaking about some of his influences. And he was he played saxophone among other instruments, and he was speaking about Charlie Parker. He was yeah. speaking about West Montgomery. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he can read music as well, but in terms of answering your question, um, I don't know if he wrote his music or wrote out charts either. Hmm. Sir, we're going to take a chance on you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did come up from a pretty privileged background considering he was growing up in Africa. That was a pretty clear background. His uh, parents are both politicians. They all had money. He all went, he went to nice schools. He, you got to give him, I mean, yes, he did go out and he, it was really cool what he did. But you got to remember, he grew up a little bit privileged. You have to admit that. Do you think that influenced his music? Oh, I had to. Mm -hmm. I had to. I mean, he had the best schools. He could, you just said it yourself. He knew how to play different instruments. You know? See, I took a chance on you. <laughs> but, 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 but for real, you 
Okay. <laughs> Wrap up. Yeah, but You're right. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. And he turned into a new, and he, and he did make, you know, a really big impact. Mm-hmm. It's just nice to see that even you guys are doing this. I, I got to give all of you an applause. Oh, thank you. Caprice? I just want to say, everyone having a wonderful, nice night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a great way to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a very unique one. Yes. And on that note, I have to make a little marketing, like, you know, Okay. That's right. We're giving away how many tickets at the end? Two. Wonderful. All right. So mother, and then we're going to orange in the back. Angela Davis. There is a young man, real quick, I just want, and then we're going to go to the sister who's been waiting for a while, named Chris Comrade Goodman, and he call, he's called Comrade. And I promise you, yep. just listen, go listen once. He has 13 new videos on his website. You will listen to all 13 if you listen to one. And that the, my a lot of people were sending emails, so I, we were promoting him being on the show, and they're like, well, what is it? And I said, well... Part of it is, I can't explain to you what it is, but when he speaks, he speaks a, 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 a truthfulness that I don't hear when I listen to other music. It's almost like, as Navashi said, it's like how you feel when you hear something. He has a song called Broken Home. And I'm telling you, it was as if he snuck into my dreams and took an experience from my life and put it to music and words. And it, it was an experience. What did you say, sis? Kiss Comrade Goodman. But it, it, if you just look up Comrade, you'll find him. Comrade Music, spelled with a Z, I see. <laughs> uh-huh. Say a
agenda he had? Is it the love and intense devotion and love for life that he had in his music? Is it uh, the message of social justice and activism that Everything. he promoted? It was the spirit. Are you finished with your question first? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, bro. The spirit. The spirit comes from God. I mean, feel the spirit comes from God Almighty. And he has spirit in his music. Navashi, um, well, it depends on where you are in your consciousness. So um, some people may get pulled in from the rhythms because in the intro to which song I love, I, I wrote it down so I can remember. Um, Teacher, te no teach me no nonsense. Okay, that gets me every time. And then day D K K Y. I mean, I just get all pumped up and stuff. So it's like that'll get you first. And you say, well, what is this? Now, some people in their immaturity will hear the words and say, ah, like contrary to some people, I don't dance if the words are whack. That's just my personality. I'm in the club. I love to dance, but if words are something negative and not evolved, I will actually stop dancing. That's my personality. I don't even like listening to it. I don't want to feed myself any of that. But um. I think introducing to the rhythms, the rhythms get everyone. That's how the hip hop and the negative music is, you know, doing really well. Music that is not is expressive of people's experience, but it's not necessarily uplifting. It's just telling the same story we all know. Um, it's the rhythm, and then if they're depending on their maturity, they can hear the message and say, "Well, what's what is about this person?" And some of us music lovers, I give thanks for the music lovers, by the way, because everyone's not a musician, but we have when I travel. I mean, the scholar, the scholar music lovers is just amazing. And so, if you're listening to the music, research about his relationship with his mother. His mother was a fighter. Yes, he came from privilege in the sense of education and being connected to the to the um to the government. Oh, no, hold on. Politics and stuff. His father's a preacher. His grandfather's a preacher. But his mother, um, yeah, she was off the hook. She started revolution as women, and you know I'm all about that too. So he was influenced. His activism came from her. And I'm not saying that's my understanding at this point. And I don't know him. I don't, never met him. But so he, even though he was, even though he was privileged in a sense of his ex exposure and experiences, he understood and was connected to the people. He never lost that, and that's what we lose in our culture. You know, no matter what you're taught, if you're not connected to the community, what is the point? And so he was connected and had the privilege, I tell people all the time, if you're beautiful, um, okay, I'll put it this way, and this is something interesting. Um, I was in school to be an ordained minister, and interfaith minister, and one of my classmates, I was the only black person in my class, and I asked this one of my friends, well, he's much older than me, I said, so in this life, you're a tall, handsome white man. So what are you going to do to uplift humanity? And he said, oh, I have to get back to you. But, I'm, but that's the point. If you're attractive, <laughs> if you're connected, what are you going to do to bring that gift and privilege in your life to uplift humanity? Mm -hmm. Someone else may have a little bit of money you don't know. You don't know people struggle, what they're going through. But you do your best you can with whatever you were given in this life, and that we will be okay. So he comes from privilege in a sense of exposure and education, and he did something with it. And that could be an example in itself, no matter where you come from, doing something with it, not being lazy. He lived, he lived, I'm sorry, he risked his life. Gil Scott Hare, another person, he's actually my cousin. He spoke about things. Uma Sangare from Mali. Angelique Kijo from Benin. These are people I admire. I wanted to meet and do a duet with Mary McKay, but when I was younger, I was like, I want to do But she passed away, but she did it. Now, when you know what's going on because you're connected to the community, then you can sing about it. Mm. So that's the thing with artists, is not being connected to the issues and speaking about it. And it's very clever to make some hip music and speak about issues. We're dancing and learning at the same time. That's amazing. So. Yeah, brief, briefly, once again, you know, I, I agree with Navasha. Teach me, teacher, don't teach me no not, no teach me no nonsense. You know, when I was growing up, going to school, listening to that, um, studying or learning from curriculums that didn't reflect my lineage, 
I said, man, who is who is this 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 master who's speaking about the importance of young people knowing who comes from their lineage, knowing who is in their community. So for instance, when I think about you know young people once again in Baltimore City learning about Lord Baltimore, but not learning about Walter Lomax or Eddie Conway, mm. then it really helps me understand the importance and power to Navasha's point of message music, the importance of a comrade of a precise science and our responsibility as listeners to promote these artists when the establishment doesn't want to promote them. You know, I still speak to uh, uh, Africans and many Nigerians and mention Fela's name, and they go, oh, they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know, his energy is still profound and, and filled. So, you know, to answer your question, just the spirit, Fela's ability to provide entry points for everyone at various stages of their rites of passage to be poured in and initiated into something bigger than us is powerful. Wow. We have about time for about three or four more questions. We'll go quickly. Ma'am. Um, what, I, what I think I heard her say is like, what gets you to the show? Or what gets you to fail? What is the question? Yeah, what gets you to the fail? What gets you to the show? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, my experience is, and I think what performs a lot of people is, fail particularly as a musical, is fun. It's right. a lot of fun. And when you get there because you're enjoying yourself and having this time, the message, you'll be open to receiving the message. And mm-hmm. here's what I, you know, I'm going to say like young people, when I went, <laughs> I was in the shrine. I literally was in the shrine having the experience. I felt like, you know, people banging on the door and oh, I can't say everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, I was in the experience. Um, you know, I think about that with the Raja music when I've seen her. Like, she has, I know her. Um, See my personal level, and so I know where her heart is and where her spirit is coming from. But what what initially did draw me to the experience is it's really good music, and so yes. to be in a space of appreciating someone's art, and then it's, it's kind of like you go on a date and you superficially see somebody good looking, and then mm-hmm. you get to know their spirit and their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it draws people to Fela because it's a, it's fun, it's interactive, it's a good time. You're really going to enjoy yourself. Um, I think it's an opportunity to get the life you should not miss. And once you're there, you're going to just reap so much mm-hmm. from opening yourself up to, to be like and have a good time. But it's not really the politics of the spirits, not aligned with um, what it has to offer. You'll get it once you take the lead. Okay. Anyone else? For work? If there are no more comments or thoughts, did you want to share something to me? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yes, I want you to come to the show. Thank you so much for on this show. Um, actually, my brother-in-law was the one who decided to bring the show to New York. He wrote the show. He wrote the show. He wrote the show. He to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're always open to the best of I have to tell you. And um, he promised he would take this show after about the way around the world. And we went to Lagos, we went to London, Amsterdam, we went to Toronto, uh, Boston, LA, San Francisco, we went here, we went to Washington twice. We're hoping to go back to New York. And then next year, we want to go to Brazil, <coughs> Russia. Um, you know, I'm just naming a lot of countries. Yeah, right. What I really want to say to you 
And I want to stress kind of what you said over there, <clears throat> is that it, it was done from his heart. He's doing it because he feels he has a message that he wants to share. The music does move you and make you feel happy. I'm going to quote, I think it's the Washington Post, there radiates joy or time out, and it does. It makes you happy to be there. But also, it's something to bring your family to, something to talk about at dinner. It's the story. It's the whole story of famous life um, from the beginning of his life to when his mother passed away. Mm -hmm. you know, she jumped off a boot because he it. And mm -hmm. at the end of the show, Sarah says, Who's coughing? Mm. Do you, are you willing to carry? And I think my brother in law, Stephen, says, He's willing to carry a coffin. He's willing to spread the word. So I hope that you spread the word to your friends. What's the Will Smith Jay Z connection that you said? Will Smith yeah. Jay Z, because when we opened up Broadway, they, uh, they support the show. They're paying him. They're the executive producers, right? They're executive producers. That means they put money into it, the right? show. They stand by the show and also quest love. Mm -hmm. And <coughs> if you read the program, it loves the best of people involved. Is that the stand for it? What's disappointing is the audience is not paying for it. Yeah. People are not coming really out to see the show. And um, which is a sad thing. But also, we don't want one seat empty. Not one seat should be empty because everyone should stay. So let's spread the word and let's fill up that Murphy Fine Arts Center. Let's fill that up. We're going to get some final comments. We're running out of time. Oh, go ahead. One of the best events I've attended in all the time I've ever Bless you. I want to thank you so much. The interest, you're so, you got it. <laughs> you know, I've been to a lot of cities, and you know, maybe I don't really get it because I don't have that spiritual bridge that I'm crossing over to, to Africa, actually. But I do have a spiritual bridge that I do cross over. And I did see in my heart that this is probably one of the best cities I've been to. So I, I need to spread the word. Yeah, let's, let's fill that place up. And I think that Elaine and Caprice found the right three people. They could have chosen anybody in this audience. You all are really incredible. But these three are really special people. We're going to get final words from them, and then we got to be out in four minutes. We're going to get to that. My gosh, I've lost control. <laughs> Navashi, would you give us some um, final words? So... Um... Another interesting thing about Fela is that he created his own republic. He created his own city. He said, I'm going to be independent of Nigeria. And actually what happened is that they invaded his compound and they drew his mother off of the Louvre, right? And, but they were willing to risk their lives. All the elders that we respect that made a change. Hi, sweetie pie. Hi, Tecasta. Yes. Um, <laughs> they were willing to risk their lives. You know, my mother taught me early. She said, in the middle, beginning of one of the songs I wrote called Spiritual War, she get, asked me a question. I was young like him. She said, who's, <laughs> she was like, who's for the light? And we were like, we're all for the light. I'm the oldest of six children. And she said, who's willing to die for the light? And that's the question I was asked as a child. So his mother greatly influenced his risk 
of his whole self, his whole body, his money, everything, to speak up for those who were silenced, who couldn't speak. So that's how he uses privilege, his privilege in his life. And so also I want to give a shout out to his drummer. I know um, in my research, Tony Allen, his drummer, you know, as musicians, as a musician and band leader, I work very hard to find musicians, singers, and people who can have my back musically and understand me and musically. And so I know that that was another special part of his, um, of the synergy of the band, him pan picking people who understood what he was about, understood the spiritual aspect. He called his, his um, show Spiritual Underground Spiritual Game. Hold on. So he looked, he knew that he was doing something spiritual. So he knew that he was creating a shrine, that he was creating a ritual. And so that's, you know, that's the legacy I would like to carry on in my artistry, like the elders who have come before me. So, come on. Uh, very briefly, yep, Fela, the production's going to be here for a week. There are some amazing culture-centric programs in Baltimore City working with some young people who are hungry for more culture. If you would like to donate a ticket to make sure that Baltimore youth can go to the production and can bear witness to artistry, think about the Youth Resiliency Institute. Think about Griot's Eye. Think about the Gold Diggers. Amazing programs working with youth of color who need to see this production in their home city. Um, I guess I'd just like to say that I think that Fela's music speaks for itself. I mean, listen to as much as you can. Um, and I believe that it's for everybody, <clears throat> regardless of where you come from. Music is music and it's in the air and it's here for all of us. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Thank, you, Thank you. Thank you. Caprice. I think we should give our amazing panelists uh, a round of applause. Also, Anthony McCarthy, and how about yourselves? <laughs>